Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your random college hooper of the week is Adam Haluska. Keep that mind, keep that name in mind. All right. It's a little Easter egg for you. I do these occasionally. I'll bury a little bone only to come back and dig up that bone like a little doggy. Adam Haluska, your random college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at 2B232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. looking both ways we got the shark in the building to what do we owe this this surprise you know what let's let's lose the attitude here all right i was just looked up our podcast 83 episodes we've done 83 episodes you know it's the one constant between the first episode and this episode i was there on both of them all right so yeah i wasn't there for your show on the tuesday before thanksgiving i was out golfing with a long lost friend all right i golfed i played terribly uh, probably could you put a hex on me or something like that? So I wasn't there for that one the week before. I'm doing my job. All right, I had a job to do. So I'm sorry about that. But here I am. For you to question my loyalty to the program, I'm always here. I show up. Well, not always, but like I, you know I'm there. You know I'm there in spirit. And then I even responded with my picks on Twitter. And I encouraged you for your mother-in-law giving you a recommendation of watching yesterday, which was a great movie. So what's your issue? So I'm glad we're having this. I'd like to, to to peel the curtain back here, to pull the curtain back, I suppose. I got caught between peeling the onion and pulling the curtain. But what I want to do is give the theater goer a little insight into, into how the sausage is made here, right? So each Tuesday, I text the guys. I said, hey, does 7 p.m. Eastern time work for you to, to, to record? And this attitude of yours, <laughs> I either get a whatever uh, no response or a no. I just want a yes or a no. It's, you ever been in sales? Sales people only want yes or no's. They don't want maybes. They don't want fluff. So I, I, I completely appreciate that that we all got work and it sucks. 
And if you can't make it, I'm fine with that. I, I always give notice. No, I know you do. I always I give notice. Do. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. And I and appreciate that. I appreciate the notice. You can be a little bit more punctual. I'm, I'm always punctual. Never been late. If I'm always gonna, punctual, always give notice. If I'm going to continue the corporate theme, there, that's an area of opportunity for you. So it's not, it's not a critique. It's not a critique. You take that blow a little lighter. But what, what set me over the edge today was when I sent over uh, discussion topics and I just get hit with a whatever as if I'm not over here trying to put together content for a show. The whatever is just so dismissive, and and you know what? I was I was out walking the dog, and it just it set me it set me off. It's a wedding crashers quote, you know. Lighten up, John Beckwith. Whatever, all right. It's been a running bit for us for years at this point. Get over it, all right. So I said whatever because there's two reasons for me saying whatever. First reason, I'm still within 24 hours of BC letting up 100 points to St. John's, and Tennessee hasn't played a game yet for COVID. We should be playing Gonzaga when this when this episode comes out on Wednesday. We should have been playing Gonzaga. Would have toppled Timmy. You toppled wanna, Timmy. We would have toppled Timmy. I I I. I Pretty much guaranteed Tennessee would have won the title this year had it not been for COVID. Uh, I love that team. I love everything they're about. But let me, that's just point number one right there for my whatever. Still within 24 hour morning period, Jim Christian, 100 points against St. John's. Tennessee would have beaten Gonzaga the following day. Second reason. Um, I just, I, I hated the effort you put in. I, you, you typed up a word doc. You, you had a word doc of the topics for us to discuss in this show, which I'm hoping you will do uh, as you normally do in the introduction to the show. Your word doc was like eight words. I mean, it was a complete waste of a word doc. You know, at least just text it out at that point. You took a picture of a word doc. It had eight words in it. It was absurd. So I threw you a whatever. All right. Cry about it. I mean, if, if you think that's, if you think that's the minimal amount of work that goes into it, then extrapolate what you're doing. You're, you're not even doing that. And also culture yourself. You said, if, if you're doing that, I'm the guy lifting the, the globe. His name's Atlas. Yeah, uh, you knew what I was talking about. So I at least conveyed my point. You were able to pick it up. So to, let's give some context to the viewers here. I said that I'm the guy that lifts the globe. I, I mean, it was. I knew that you would pick up the image right there of the guy carrying. You know, the, it's a metaphor for carrying. You know, carrying the world on your back. Uh, clearly, I know that you put way too much more work into this than I do. But at this point, I knew that you were sensitive, and I was going to, you know, poke that. You know, I found a weakness. I was going to start poking it, and I was going to get you upset leading into the show. And here we go. We got about six minutes of content right here. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That is good. I'm glad we were able to hash things out here. Um, but yeah, I let's, I, honestly, I don't even consider them hashed out. What else do we need to hash out? I want to. I want. Let's. Can we please move forward with the sale amicably? Yeah, it's just what do it. we need to do. Nice forty. You know what? Forty-year-old virgin poll right there. I feel a little bit better about it. Also, speaking of hash in our hometown, I got some good hash browns at our favorite restaurant right there. That was pretty good as well. So I'm good. We're good. Let's let's do the show. Well, so real quick though, that that also irks me. I'm a little irked right now because. Uh, the, the Paul's diner, that's the diner that you're, you're referencing. They changed the menu and they, yep. they, they try and modernize the menu with these different names for the foods. They call it the hungry man. Now that's our go-to. What is it? Uh, you two really eggs over have, easies. Yeah. Like, two eggs over easy side of hash browns. Excuse me. Side of home fries, side of bacon, uh, two pancakes, side of white toast, two please water and a coffee. It's a 13. But they've changed it to a hungry man. Is that right? They did. Times are changing. Bob Dylan. Good quote. All right. Uh, you want to talk numbers, by the way. I like that you opened it up saying we've done 83 episodes of this. Here's some numbers for you. In the week that college basketball began, dogs awake, if you can hear. In the week that college basketball began, we've had 15 Farmer Fran gifts and 42 theater tweets. Theat tweets, baby. I mean, we're back, Shark, and it feels so damn good to be back. I'm glad you brought it. Are we ever – it does feel good to be back. I mean, honestly, I'd be lying to you. I, this is the one episode where I could rely on Taylor a little bit right here because I'm sure that guy was locked in a bunker. I had a big game with the football team on Thursday, still coming down off of that. I've been traveling up and down the East Coast. I've been all over the place. I've watched the big games, but I haven't dove in like I should. So uh, I watched the past few Monday, Tuesday night games. I've been engaged on those, but I'm a little behind it. it. It does feel normal, though, at least in the tournament that's in Hawaii slash Asheville. It still feels like a preseason tournament, not an early season tournament. Uh, you have the typical, 
you know, good clashes early on in the non-conference where, where the season's going to diverge a little bit is that, you know, good teams are going to be playing good teams all the time. So that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, you know, the records that we're used to seeing aren't going to be 28 and five or, you know, 23 and nine or whatever it may be. People are going to be closer to 500 because they're playing such talented teams all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always good to watch this stuff. So what has happened in the past week? Biggest news of the week, three top 10 teams go down. You're not going to find that in any other sport this early, baby. Villanova, Virginia, and Kentucky. Not only just three top 10 teams, but Blue Bloods. Teams that have had fantastic success recently and obviously historically, if you look at a team like Kentucky. But uh, three Blue Bloods, three top 10 teams losing. Nova lost to Virginia Tech. Kentucky lost to Richmond, who is a – I mean, everyone is on Richmond. They said they should have been a top 25 team. They proved it. Uh, And then Virginia lost to San Francisco. Is there a team out of these three, Shark, that you'd be even the least bit concerned about, or is it far too early? I get, I've seen Nova play two or three times now. I'm not concerned about them. I think Gillespie's taken huge strides in one, you know, making himself the, the go-to person in that offense. He's stronger. His game's more well-rounded. Virginia, that system is always going to, uh, you know, be able to carry them where they need to go. And they finally have a pretty legit offensive um, threat in, in Hauser and Kai Clark. So Clark obviously has taken some strides. Kentucky. You know, I've always been a little bit skeptical of them. Uh, they've been way too hyped up going into it. I know they got, what, BJ Boston, whatever the guy's name is. Um, but there's almost too much hype. And I, I that game against Richmond, Richmond is a obviously had some hype going into the season. People are saying, don't be surprised by that. But let's be honest, Richmond was never going to probably be higher than a six seed if this was a normal tournament. So Kentucky, as someone that was ranked top 10, should have been really carrying weight uh, in the beginning, and they didn't. I don't think I'm nervous for any of these three teams. These three teams, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's just way too early right now. We do the same song and dance with – it it could have been three other teams, and I feel like this is just par for the course every single year. Uh, Villanova, though, I was – I would say I was most surprised with either Villanova or Virginia. Kentucky didn't really shock me that much. I feel like they always drop these types of games, and then you get the the Cal uh, kid speech. He actually had an incredible speech uh, last week after the first game. <laughs> he, he said, "He said, you know, you, don't don't test me for COVID. Test me for." like being a freak or something like that, something along those lines. I mean, she's just like a rabid dog, uh, not making much sense whatsoever, but we already got a fantastic Cal speech. And like I said, not even a weekend, but Villanova and Virginia were the teams that really surprised me. And I would say probably Virginia because they don't have much of an offense. They have a new weapon in Hauser, but they, they still don't have much of an offense, generally speaking. Hauser actually missed a game-winning three, I believe, or maybe game-tying three. But the biggest surprise was that the Dons had to fly cross-country, and they still beat them. Uh, you'd think the coaching matchup would would favor in terms of UVA, and it does, just generally speaking. But that was that was a shock to me because Virginia Tech, they're the ones that beat Villanova. Virginia Tech, they pull out these upsets – once, twice, every single year. They're always good for beating a team like Duke. They're always good for beating a team like Carolina or something. So this, I mean, that doesn't shock me too much. But the Virginia one, I was just like, how the hell? Like, they're a top five team. How did they lose to the Dons? Well, I think you got to give the Dons a little bit of credit. Um, You know, nobody knew this really beforehand, but their head coach is Todd Golden, the guy that played in those early on uh, years with St. Uh, St. Mary's. Um, I think he's, where is he from originally? Is he, baby is he American? Faced. He is baby faced. Well, I mean, he's going to be a hot, hot next coach. Oh yeah. I mean, come from yeah. a system like that to go to San Francisco, kind of get them right on the right track. And Hey, they're, they're one of those teams or he stays there and he makes them into a powerful mid major. As we know from when we did our titch rankings early on, the Dons actually have a decent resume. They can str- string together a nice little mid-major run. They might be able to crack the top 50 here. You never know. Uh, but no, I mean, that guy seems like an outstanding coach and the next hot star in the, le- in the, in the country. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like he should just take off because 
he people are going to be able to see obviously this win under his resume. I think he may have picked off Gonzaga once before in the West Coast Conference. He he's the one team, obviously St. Mary's too, but San Francisco is that one team that I feel like recently the past three years has played Gonzaga very tough. Uh, so I mean that's that should be enough to to get some looks. So some big upsets early on there, Villanova, Virginia, and Kentucky all losing. Let's go back actually real quick to that Nova game against Virginia Tech. At the end of regulation, Virginia Tech was up, and they get called for a charge on Villanova. Now, I thought it was a brilliant play call from Jay Wright. He basically says, go take a charge on the guy guarding the inbounder, so he's not even looking at you, clearly looking at the inbounder. They get the charge, they get the ball back, uh, and and Twitter was all hot and bothered because of it. I'm over here saying, look, I think that's a great call from Jay Wright, but number two, that is the exact type of call that you get when you are the gold standard of college basketball, which is what Villanova is, especially the past five years. I'm perfectly fine with that call, and I'm even better with it because Virginia Tech won. Yeah, was it sour grapes? Maybe. But Virginia Tech ended up winning that game. Better team, the team that deserved to win, won that game. But a lot of people were pissed off at the end of regulation there. Well, didn't it happen? The announcers kept saying this did happen on Friday night, so I was a little bit, um, you know, drinking a little, or Saturday night, whatever it was. I, w- I might have had a few when I was watching the game, but I think it happened in a previous game where the ref called it. Um, and it was a great play. And there obviously there's people that were freaking out because it seemed like the refs went and reviewed it because Jay Wright was yelling about it and then changed their call. I love the refs explanation. They're just like, Hey, Hey, look guys, uh, actually I just, I, I made the call and I pointed the wrong direction. It was very honest and it made sense of everything right there because it was a very long delay, but you got to give credit to Virginia tech for, I mean, actually give credit to Nova. They knocked down the free throws and then they go to overtime. Virginia Tech just kind of pounded them in, in the overtime. So that was an impressive win. Uh, Mike Mike Young, the tech coach, seems to uh, be a giant killer sometimes. And Virginia Tech wasn't supposed to be that great this year, but they at least have some talent in Oluma to be able to carry them and maybe sneak out a few wins in the ACC. And like I kind of said in the beginning of this show, every one of these wins is going to be crucial when it comes to the end of the year, because you're going to have so many teams that are closer to 500 because the schedules are just more difficult. You know, you can't go beat up on cupcakes in the non-conference like all of these power five schools do. So for, for you to be able to sneak out wins against, you know, similarly situated teams and other conferences, not calling Virginia tech and Villanova on the same level, but, Every win matters, so that's a big one for Tech. Well, Vatek also has Cartier Diara, another name that I think you had trouble pronouncing a couple episodes ago. If we rewind a couple minutes ago, you got Kihei Clark wrong too, but I'm just trying to keep you sharp here week one. What are, you, what are we keeping a log over there? Cartier Diara. So you, you want to criticize me for saying his name wrong, but I can tell you exactly what he did in the last game that he played in the tournament. Top left bracket, knocked out Kentucky, in the went to the Elite Eight, and then lost to Loyola Chicago. Next question. I just want to fact check you on the location of, of the bracket. I mean, yeah, top, you're right. Yeah. No, it's right. You, it, yeah. It's top left. I, yeah. It's top left. All I right. guarantee you. Yeah. Well, top, top. Hey, in fact, it's top left. The top part of the top of the top left. <laughs> yeah. You want anything else? Yeah. No, I, mean, I just, I might have to go back and fact check this like I'm Tony reality or something. Uh, but yes, three top 10 teams going down. Other news and notes from this past week. Lunch pale Luca. What a beast. We knew he was going to be incredible coming into this year. He was fantastic. Amazing. Whatever adjective you want to use last year. Uh, he's probably going to win player of the year this year. But I mean, his first half, I forget who he played, but the first half, in the first half, he scored 36 points on 12 of 12 shooting. Perfect from the field. I think he won 10 of 12 from the line. Uh, and he finished with 41, which is the most scored in Carver Hawkeye Arena by a Hawkeye, uh, beating the 36 from Adam Haluska. I told you to put that bone away. I told you that was an Easter egg. And we came back to it. Uh, I got a little nugget on Adam Haluska here in a little bit, but lunch pail Luca, man, off to a scorching start. For the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I I said this, um, I think, early on prior to my three-week break that I just took, but Iowa, for whatever reason, was getting disrespected by a lot of the trendy hipster college basketball fans. Okay, they're number three in the nation right now. They went into the season that ranked that high, but they literally return 
everyone. So yes, I know that their defense, according to Ken Palm, isn't that great. But when you can get a guy like Garza, who's just going to beat up on much smaller, um, frail people against him outside of Michigan State, he might have some issues there. But uh, Luca's going to go to work, and then they surround him with all these shooters and Wiscamp and Bohannon and McCaffrey's kid, all those people. Uh, two McCaffrey kids, I think, this year actually. I think they got two two McCaffreys. But anyways, I mean, there's there's a bunch of gunners on Iowa. Um, so they're they're getting, they could play for a national title at this point. They, when you return people like that and you got people that are tested, I always go back to Luca when they played Tennessee in I think it was 20, 2018, uh, when Tennessee was a two seed, Iowa was a ten seed, top right bracket, bottom portion of the top right bracket. I mean, they couldn't stop Garza. I mean, they, they could throw Grant Williams at him. He, no one can stop him back then when he's a true freshman. So he's just a monster now. I'm trying to wonder, and this is just where my weird brain goes. I'm trying to wonder the last time the NBA and college basketball had players that shared the same name that were arguably the most exciting to watch in both both sports or filled the stat sheet like they both do. Luka Doncic. He puts up these numbers. Garza is I'm I'm expecting Garza to Garza to be like a 25 and 12 man, which is absurd for college basketball. But yeah, he he had such a fantastic performance in that game. Um, and then to go back to Haluska, this is the weirdest part about Adam Haluska. Did you know he started at Iowa State? Finished his career at Iowa. Can you even imagine a a, a team letting a letting a recruit go to or transfer to their rival like that. Um, there's the only the only reason why I think it flew actually. Um, Hawkeye fly. That's how you do it. Cyclones. Their their mascot's a bird. I'm 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 sharp today. Uh, Big Ten, Big Twelve. No no intra conference. So that's I mean I think that's the only thing that would make sense there. Yeah, I'm trying. There's got to be other examples of teams that uh, transfers that are you know, hit close to home. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that, I mean, that's, I mean, this guy's kind of a, not much of a ball player though, you know, (laughs) take that's a relevant point. Yeah. He's not, he's not Garza. That's for sure. I've dropped 36 though, 38, whatever the previous Hawkeye record was, but Garza, Garza took that down. But to your point on the name Luca, I mean, it's good that Luca's doing well. The only other Luca I can think of was Luca Brasi from the Godfather. And he was, he was not good at his job. He sleeps with the fishes, so the, there is a resurgence and a renaissance for the for the name Luca. I like that. That's a good way of putting it. Um, we talked about Calipari's impassioned speech, and I'm glad you brought up Gonzaga. You're you're over here saying that Tennessee would have beaten them. I'm wholeheartedly disagreeing. I think you at least have to acknowledge how much of a wagon Gonzaga is after their first couple games because they have dominated teams. They made Kansas look like a JV team, really, uh, when in reality, Kansas is the number six team in the country. They're the one team, Gonzaga, that has taken care of business and not planted any seed of doubt into into people's minds. We told you about the three teams that lost in the top 10. You look at a team like Illinois, they went to overtime and went down to the wire with Ohio. Uh, but Gonzaga, games have been over by the under-16 timeout in the second half, pretty much. Well, I mean, they, they beat Kansas by what 12 and their other game was against Auburn right after Auburn announced that they weren't playing for the postseason this year. So you got to question it a little bit. And then you also want to bring up the fact that, Hey, look, and and Gonzaga deserves to be number one and they deserve to be number one going into the season, but they do this every year, right? They, they beat teams early in the year. They win 30 games and then they lose in the sweet 16 every year. So uh, I mean, Tennessee beat Gonzaga two years, two years ago, Admiral Schofield on a neutral court took down Gonzaga. So I mean, I, I I do think that they I have a good faith basis to at least argue the point that Gonzaga would have won, uh, Tennessee would have won that game. I just don't know if I've ever seen Gonzaga with this much talent, like this much talent. Well, there's I mean, there's always one player that you're like, okay, that's the stud, and then everyone else is really good. Jalen so Suggs, I suppose, is that, but yeah, I mean, it's the same team as last year, with the exception of Suggs, who, who in defense of that point, he's like a five star top ten recruit. Um, but I mean, outside of that, you got you got Timmy and you got the uh, Yai guy, who's a great role player uh, for Gonzaga teams to have. But but they also got Nemhart too. He's eligible from Florida. I mean, once yeah, Nemhart became eligible, I was like, okay, 
I never really loved him too much, to be honest with you. So we'll let that play itself out. Um, it, he was disappointing for Florida when they were had high expectations last year with uh, Kerry Blackshear. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that whole team was very disappointing. I remember Mike White could be yeah. could be on the hot, approaching the hot seat. I I still stand by. I think the one of the better. When you think of all those Gonzaga teams, it's funny to me that the one that actually went to the finals, that was the Nigel Williams-Goss team, right? That was they went all the way there, which I didn't think that was one of their best teams. Um, when they had – Pangos overlapped with Olenek, right? He might have, but the, those two teams – the Pangos, I think when he was a senior or junior, I'm pretty sure Arizona ended his career in an who, embarrassing who fashion. Who was the huge guy again? The fat dude. I'm forgetting his name. Karnowski, baby. Oh, yeah. Primic Karnowski. He was on that uh, title team, though. Oh, well, title appearing team, I should say. That's some beef right there. Karnowski would have been able to, you know, man up Luca Garza for a little bit right there. We always go back to the along came Polywell, and I'm not ashamed to do it, but I just want to preface yep. it before I make this next refi which is the scene where Adam Sandler and Lyle show up to play two on two. And I'm already cracking in my voice, but uh, germaphobe uh, Ruben Pfeffer has to, has to D up this guy with, he takes his shirt off. He's just sweating like, like an absolute pig. He's hairy. He's disgusting. That's how I picture having to be, having to play post defense against Karnowski. He's just, sweating through two layers of shirts he's got this mountain of a beard and you're just trying to defend it a poor a poor west coast conference big man what are you going to do against karnowski who just does a quick drop step and his beard probably just drips all this sweat onto your head well let me jump into this rabbit hole with you and i'll tell you what you do with karnowski right there you throw in our boy tim stainbrook to match up with that and you just go beef with beef right on each other do we were we ever blessed with that matchup? That would have been phenomenal to have. I don't think we were ever lucky enough to have that. But not only two beefy guys, not not only two guys that look pretty similar, but same uh, same same outfits really, or same uh, uniform wear. I should say those guys did not want to let their arms show. T-shirts were <laughs> undershirts all the time. As we're workshopping this, um, and obviously I ask a question of our guest here, uh, Mc- Jimmy McGinnis McGillicuddy, about where he would go with respect to you know stocking up similarly uh, similar individuals. I think we could do the same question, but with huge, chubby, fat white guys. There are any big guys right there? So you got Karnowski, you got Stainbrook. Um, I smell a poll question, by the way. Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting at. I, I told you, get into the polls, the poll market. So get polls going. People love polls. They love clicking anonymous votes, and you never know who did it. Poll, poll, poll. This could be what we're doing right now. I so I want to try and and think of some more, but so we I might mean, have to change there was the a question. Guy, yeah. No, there was a guy in North Dakota State, I recall, a couple years, or maybe it was well, just you, North Dakota. You know who I'd throw into this right here? I'd throw in your boys, actually, as I as I talk it out, because I think the theme in this one is beef. Um, I'd throw a Bular in there. Oh I'd yeah, throw a, no, I'd throw a Bular into this this question. Why not? Well, it's got to be Sim, because I think his younger brother, who was there, one black. I mean, that's how irrelevant he was compared to Sim. I just don't know his name, uh, but yeah, let's. I'll, I'll I'll think of some beefy forwards who you want to pony up to the bar with. Uh, see, look at that. Did, did I need a word document to do that? Where I typed out eight words to send to you? Did I? You just let it out. You're right. This is this is an this is a uh, what's the right word? Think all tank. I'm saying. All I'm think saying. Tank. Yeah. No, I like it. I like the think tank uh, brainstorming session. This is all good. All I'm saying is I could do without the attitude moving forward. That's all. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, that's my point. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Jimmy McGinnis. All right, we want to remind you again uh, that we are brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network, but we finally are able to welcome to the program one Jimmy McGinnis. Jimmy, a day one listener, loyal listener, interacts with almost everything we do on Twitter, which is uh, fantastic. It makes me feel great. I get a lot of likes out of you, a couple of retweets if, I'm, if it's an especially good tweet. Jimmy, welcome to the program. No, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, long time coming. 
It has been. So I think the first thing people got to know about you is that you are a Duke fan. But we've had yep, this discussion, right? So I'm sure you've ha- you've been asked this a million times. How did you become a Duke fan? Because you have got to understand you are probably in that section of people that that people hate. Oh yeah, that's that's been pretty clear for a while now. Um, so I I didn't really start watching basketball until I was maybe like ten, a little after, maybe like eleven or twelve. So I got in pretty late, and at the time when I really started watching was the prime JJ Redick era. So I'd see him on TV and I was like, this guy is amazing and everyone hates him. And that makes me like him so much more. And I just kind of just, he lit it up and he was insane. I was like, I cannot stop watching this guy. And basically I just kind of ran with it and the, the level of interest grew and I just, I just kept watching the team and I have been ever since. So JJ Redick was a very polarizing character. That's true. I I like to think that I'm a Manchester United fan, and because I I grew up watching David Beckham, you know, everyone has that one player. Yours is JJ. Oh Redick. yeah. So that makes sense. Do you read any of his poetry, or have you read his poetry? I have not read his poetry. I used to listen to his podcasts that he used to do um, until they started going into like weird categories, like. Goldman Sachs interviews and I was like I'd rather just listen to you talk to like teammates in the NBA like I want to hear basketball so but no no poetry nope I mean I see this guy McGinnis liking tweets all the time I don't even, I don't even know who he is your introduction was terrible I mean how does he know you is there a connection right there or is he just kind of a fanboy of Titch so that would have been a good question for you to ask yeah um so I am cousins with Chris, who went to college with Subi, and back in the day, you don't you don't have to name names. You know a guy that knows Subi. That that would have been good enough. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and he told me about one of his friends, a huge college hoops junkie, which was good enough for me at the time. And I uh, so I checked out the podcast, I checked out the Twitter, and I was like, these guys love college basketball as much, if not more, than I do. So it's a win in my book, and I've just been following ever since. So, obviously, you ha- you hate North Carolina. Um, yep. How happy were you at that after that initial stretch from UNLV last <laughs> night? Uh, it was very fun to watch. I mean, it was only a matter of time until it ended up turning around. But that first thirteen zero stretch was orgasmic. Well, f- forget the thirteen zero stretch. Let's talk about last year, actually. How how much did you enjoy oh. last year's absolute demise of Carolina, especially that loss in the Dean Dome that uh, Trey Jones handed him? I mean, anytime you get a powered, like elite team like North Carolina, I will give them credit. They are in that power elite tier. But anytime you get them with a losing <laughs> gracious record, of you. Yeah. yeah um, that's real kind. And- like as fun as it is to go on Twitter and just, you know, Oh Duke, Duke, this, this and that. But anytime I can turn the tide and shift it to North Carolina and just kind of shit on them, it it's almost better. So last year was like the perfect storm where everything that could have gone wrong for them did go wrong. And it was just, it was endless material. I just, I simply couldn't keep up with how bad they were. So I got to pit you two against each other now because we're we're joined by a Dukey and obviously an Eagle. BC played Villanova very well. The Shark was yes. uh, temporarily on the Jimmy C bandwagon. He might come back. <laughs> is there a ch- and this is this is for you as well Shark. BC Duke. Any chance that the Eagles can take down Duke this year? If you had asked me two nights ago, I would have said yes, but I'm within a 24-hour mourning period. So the answer as of right now is no, because we just lit up 100 points to St. John. So my answer is going to be no. Uh, but again, that's going to probably change within the next few hours. Um, but isn't McGinnis a, a UMass guy too? Is there loyalties there? Because honestly, I prefer to punch down to UMass if possible rather than you know try to enter the ring with the Dukies. But are you a UMass fan? Right. I went to... I went to UMass. Um, I mean, when I was there, I would go to the games, but like my first true love was Duke basketball. So like they would always be number one to me. And I, I did root for UMass while I was there, but it wasn't like the same level 
as Duke, what, of course. Um, what, what years were you there? I was there 2010 to 14. So my senior year was the year they finally made the tournament. So you had Chaz Williams, the, the greatest point guard, yes. that, you know, according to like <laughs> six people of all time. All right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I technically knocked you out of the tournament in 14 because I have a Tennessee allegiance as well. Um, so sorry about that. Even though these are our secondary teams. So, again, I want to change Sub's question right. to one that's more favorable to me. Uh, maybe you'd like this story, too. A few of the people that listen to our show. Back when UMass played Tennessee, and I know you're more of a Duke fan, but back when UMass played Tennessee in that uh, second round matchup, I had bet that if Tennessee won the game, I was going to pay for seeds in Africa to buy an African fruit tree. So a tree would be born out of that, strictly out of that victory right there. So somewhere in Africa, I don't know where it is. It cost me like five bucks to do it, but I planted a tree in honor of Tennessee beating UMass just to rub it in all those UMass guys' faces that where Chad Williams stands throughout everything. I that mean, wasn't a question. How can, yeah. you, how can you just, that? There's that's amazing. I mean, you're giving back to the world and, Thank you. you know, beating down on UMass in the, while you're at it. I mean, I had a, I had a couple of buddies that actually went to, um, was it Raleigh or somewhere down in North Carolina they played? Where that game was, yes. Um, yeah, uh, I, all I know is bottom right bracket. No, it was Greensboro, I think. I think it was Greensboro, bottom right. Okay. I had like five or six friends from UMass all go down because they finally made the tournament. They're like, we have to go and watch them play. They're like, you should come because like Duke's seated, and if they win, we'll match up together. And I was like, I really wanted to, but something in the back of my mind was like, don't do it. And I was like, uh, I'm just going to stay home. I'll watch all the games. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. And then, of course – fucking mercer happened and i was probably the happiest i've ever been that i didn't go on that trip because i probably wouldn't have come home that's right that was all within the city it probably was raleigh because you had two rooting interests there so i'm not going to correct you but that was all within that one midi quadrant right there you, you could have been facing a yeah. duke umass matchup hmm. that's a nugget right there and and it, it did give us <laughs> one of the best post-win dances i'm sorry jimmy uh, but Mercer, that that little white kid breaking it down. I mean, I do feel like though that Mercer upset gets overlooked in the pantheon of upsets, especially to Duke. I mean, I I feel like I remember the Lehigh upset more than I do uh, the the Mercer upset. But at least Lehigh, you went up against CJ McCollum, right? Right. Yeah. CJ McCollum just tore them apart, and that that was like the first one where it was probably like the first big upset. Um, I don't know if Missouri was the same year as that or if that was the Mercer year, but that's like the first big one that everyone will remember. And I, I'm surprised that one gets talked about less than Mercer. That one, VCU too, right? Eric Maynard, didn't they beat Duke at some point? Yeah, I think that was, that was, oh, is that like 07, 08? Yeah, 07, 08. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So, I'd assume that JJ Redick then is your favorite Duke player of all time. Do you have a least favorite player or a player mm-hmm. where you're just like, I, I hated this guy, no matter how much I love Duke, whenever this guy stepped on the court, his, it would just, it, it was terrible. Yeah. There are a couple guys like um, Josh Harrison was definitely one of them. Cause he was like a top 20 guy and he had like good length. I was like, he's athletic. He can rebound. Maybe he'll turn into something. And he was just a human turnover. Um, so he never lived up to anything. He was terrible. Chase Jeter was another guy. I know that's a big AZ connection. Um, as soft as Charmin, just incredibly soft. I had to see it for myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But I'd say my least favorite was probably Trevon Duval or however the hell you pronounce his name. All the athleticism in the world um, just couldn't shoot for shit just awful and after they got destroyed by Carolina in the Dean Dome like within 10 minutes of the game ending he's retweeting his like sick dunk it's like fuck off dude like why are you doing that for asshole and of course he didn't get drafted so you know what karma's kind of a bitch um, can I ask a series of kind of rapid fire um, give me your preference I know that you've dated yourself to just be in the JJ Redick era but this might go back a little bit further than that and I just want I'm going to give you two players I want you to pick which one you would prefer uh, that were Duke okay. so Shane Battier or Kyle Singler I gotta go Battier Jalil Okafor or Carlos Boozer 
I mean, I that 2015 title team is my favorite team, so I have to say Okafor. Yeah, I was going to – did did Boozbag ever win a title? Because right now he went with two title winners. I'm pretty sure Boozer won. He must He might have been on that 01 team, actually. Yeah, in that like, pretty, yeah. 2001 time, yeah. Yeah, he, I know Battier was. Okay, continue. All right, I got one more, and then the, I have one final question that is different. But all right, uh, this final one is Chris Duhon or Nolan Smith. Oh, the people's champ, Nolan Smith. No brainer. All right, all right so here's one where we're going off roading a little bit here. I'm going to set a scene. All right, you walk into right. your front. You're from the North Shore, right? Uh, a little south of that, but. Yeah, okay. North Massachusetts. Yeah. North Massachusetts. You walk into some bar or some roast roast beef joint, wherever you guys hang out. You walk in there <laughs> and you got you got four Duke legends kind of centered around the bar. Not centered around them. They're each in one distinct section of the bar. On one end, you got JJ Reddick. Actually, I should take him out. Let's take out JJ. You've already you've already listed your love for him. You got Grayson Allen, you got John Shire, and you got Greg Paulus. Each of them are with their boys. You feel like you can go fit in with one of those groups right there, but you can only make one decision on where you're going to put your efforts and where you want to go get a drink with one of them. Who are you going to? Damn, that's a good one. Um, it's definitely not Paulus. I'll tell you that. I feel like Shire would be the best to fit in with and is probably the most normal, but my like, crazy egotistical self i have to go to grayson allen it's not even i have to go to see and talk to him that was unexpected and yes sub i know i picked all white guys right there i i i was trying to keep it within this team jj was going to be in there as well but my question was ruined by the love fair displayed in the beginning but in i i probably would have won john shire personally but actually no i would have went greg paulus coach quarterback ball player i mean that's, that guy's everything uh why grayson he's allen? probably a great guy to Paul's is probably a great guy just to go over and just punch in the face. Honestly, that well, might I mean, be reason enough. They all, they all, all are. three of them. Are. Yeah, that's the whole point. They, they all are. No, that's I fair. Mean, that's yeah. very uh, fair. I mean, Grayson Allen was definitely going to be the one most annoying, from my opinion. But hey, I'm going. I'm going Grayson because you ever see that Chappelle Show sketch, Dudes Night Out? That's what I feel like Grayson Allen would get you into. I mean, he's he's already thrown temper tantrums on the bench sober. Can only imagine what a drunk, boozed up national champion Grayson Allen is doing uh, out, out on the town. Greg Paulus is definitely the least, though. He was a dad, I feel like, in college. Responsible. You know, you're going to be in for a good, mature, healthy night. Um, so, Jimmy, I want to ask you a couple last couple questions here as well. Sure. At the inception of this show, the shark had some very, very strong takes about Zion Williamson. When we when we launched the program, Zion was a stud freshman coming. I mean, everyone knows how, how much fanfare was around Zion. And he said he was basically J.J. Watt lumbering up and down the court. We're now two years after after that. Is there anything you'd like to say in retrospect to the shark? Uh you know what? No, I'm going to take the high road here. Um, I think Zion's play kind of, you know, spoke for itself. Um, a lot of people now are just harping on the fact that he'll never last in the NBA based on his playing style. But, you know, during his time in college, he was probably the most electric player we'll ever watch in college basketball. And it really, it's his play spoke for itself and he was amazing and everything I could have wanted, if not more. So, well, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you must have missed uh, Stephen Curry and Jimmer for that during your time for electric <laughs> players in this era, but I, it wasn't just his playing style, it's his, his playing weight. You know, he, he is way too big uh, and he just looks big for how young he is. Where as you get older, you get fatter, you, you, you get less in shape. And he is someone that is not built for the long run here. Um, you know, I think as more, I was reminded of that take very frequently in the moment when it happened in the first place. Uh, and I'm hearing less and less of it, which means I'm going to be revealed to be right on this one. I, I would hitch your wagon more towards other Duke players that are going to succeed at the next level. Well, I mean, it's the brotherhood. 
You got you got so many to pick from. Even <laughs> even in New Orleans, you have so many to pick from, right? Is Frank Jackson ever going to get playing time? I feel like all I keep hearing about is Frank Jackson's potential. Is he any good? Uh, I I loved Frank. I wish he got more run, but they were just way too many studs on that team. Um, I think he's in OKC now, unfortunately. Or though maybe that gets him more playing time. So kids athletic as hell. We'll give him that. Yeah, well, they're in a rebuilding phase. I'll let you out of here on this, Jimmy, because you do have a game to catch as we're broadcasting this Michigan State going up against Duke. There have been some serious tilts between these two teams very recently. Uh, you got to give a prediction, though, because this is going to air on Wednesday, and we need to know yep. if if we can call you out. <laughs> All right, well, this is definitely one of those games where I, I pretty much have a trend where I start to get extra nervous about a game thinking not too good things are going to result in Duke's way where they look young. They had 22 tur- uh, turnovers last game and just the inexperience and Michigan State's, I guess, a little more experience in their incredible height doesn't really add up well. And every time that I think it's going to go poorly, they somehow pull a rabbit out of their ass and win. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go with the win here. I'm going to go with the win. Jalen Johnson, DJ Stewart, Matt Hurt. Right now, the big three. I think they can carry them to a victory. I think Michigan State's favorite, right? By like three and a half or so? Or was it the other way around? I looked uh, at it briefly Duke's, this morning. Duke's, Duke's favorite, favorite right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I would pound Michigan State right there. I mean, <laughs> didn't Stewart take like 24 shots in the first game? He just – Lighten it up from all over. I mean, he's been a lot. Yeah. So we'll see how that works. Reminds me a little bit of Tyrese Maxey's start last year, but we'll see how it goes outside of him. It seems like Hurts a sharpshooter, and you guys have another classic Duke team coming into the season. So we'll see. I feel like we might get a – I mean, I don't know why, but if it feels like Chet Holmgren is just Matt Hurt 2.0. I, I don't know if Chet Holmgren can shoot, but he's just a tall, lanky, skinny white kid. Isn't Matt Hurt from somewhere in the Midwest, too? He is from Minnesota, yeah. He's from Minnesota, he too. Oh, man. Yeah. He put on, like, 30 pounds this offseason, though, so he's, like, a big boy now. He can throw it around a little in there, but it's a whole different test between Coppin State and Michigan State. And Michigan State has so many big bodies, so I'm very curious to see how he does tonight. Well, Just looking at I mean, I know this is – I mean, Hurt. A face only a mother could love, right there. I mean, if you if you it, it is my a, would, it's a tough face. It's a, to do my would you rathers again, right here. Matt Hurt or uh, Ryan Kelly in terms of guys you want. <laughs> I'm shivering over here just saying it. Can we just throw also Lorenzo Monreal, even though he didn't go to Duke? I'm just talking all time ugly right. face, all time ugly faces. There's the ugliest guys in who. <laughs> Yeah, no comment. McGillicuddy, you can answer. I, I always call you McGillicuddy for whatever reason, just because I know a few McGillicuddies, but you can answer that. Matt Hurt or Ryan Kelly? Oh, I mean, Matt Hurt is Matt Hurt's tough to look at, but I Ryan Kelly, that game against Miami, he'll always have a special place in my heart, Ryan Kelly. The White Raven. The White Raven is – he was elite in college like a raven. for some time, so – Hey, you know what? Ryan Kelly deserves a lot of credit because he was on those teams, those Lakers teams, where they always say if you were a fan during this era, then you know you get to celebrate. <laughs> this this. Yeah, and and Ryan Kelly, I thought he gave them decent minutes. Reminded me a lot of a lot of Luke Walton, but uh, Ryan Kelly, that Miami game, he came back from injury and dropped like thirty or something in Cameron, didn't he? It was magical. Yes, that those like Shane talk- Larkin Miami teams. Larkin's a good ball. The more we talk this out, the more, I mean, Duke was created pretty much from Christian Leitner, a tall stretch for pretty boy, white guy. I mean, what has happened in terms of that position and the looks department in Duke history right now? Coach yeah. yeah. They're kind of missing the pretty aspect of it, but you know, they got the tall lanky uh, white guys. So maybe that's what Leitner, one of his parting shots to coach K was like, Hey, you can never bring someone in to play the role that I played and be better looking than I am. Well, it's a theory right there. I mean, in that, in that Leitner doc that Rob Lowe narrated one of the, didn't they do like the, the prongs of the devil as to why everyone hates Christian Leitner. And one of them was looks. If you, if you look at the Duke program and why people hate Duke, that's certainly can't be it anymore. That cannot be a prong. Take that prong off. 
it's just like you have you seen the the homo sapiens like how we became man like that chart for duke the white four it's going the opposite direction in terms of looks you know you got later <laughs> and you're going to, all right i gotta stop talking here mcginnis thank you again for hopping onto the program we'll let you go enjoy the game uh any any parting words um Parting words. No, I just thank you guys for having me. Um, I love what you guys do on Twitter. I love the pod and I love college basketball. So, I mean, it's tough to find a better group than you guys following the college game. So keep up the good work. Much appreciated, Jimmy. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks guys. All right. We want to thank Jimmy again for hopping onto the program. Uh, Long time listener. Good kid. That's a foxhole guy for you. That's That's your foxhole. That's a good kid. Uh, let's wrap it up, though, here, Shark. We got we got some college basketball to watch. Any hugs tonight from you? Jumped right to the hugs. Um, wow. I got no twit. I got no uh, where am I. Um, Strictly hugs. I, I, I mean, I thought we were going to like talk. I thought we were going to talk about like other games or something right here. You just threw a hug on me right now, right in the middle. You know what I'm going to throw my hug to? This is something I, I'm glad you, uh, you did that because I'm giving a hug and I'm claiming this team as one of my boys is Houston. I tweeted about this on Sunday afternoon while football was going on. But Houston and Kelvin Sampson, absolute ferocious team right there. I love this team. They've been doing it every year. The same way that people always talk about great defensive programs. You think of Cincinnati. You think of West Virginia. You think of um, you know, what did I, I had another one that I tweeted about. Just great elite def- Virginia. The same way you think about Virginia. Schools. No, no, I said West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. I, got, okay. I covered both Virginias. All right, so they all play their own different style of defense. You got to start doing the same thing with Houston. I mean, you can't score on these guys. And to the extent that Sampson's able to create some people that can score, which he has this year, he returns most of his guys. Uh, they're dangerous. And honestly, they beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech is going to start getting into that lane as well. But <clears throat> it's going to take a little time. That wasn't a COVID cough. That was just a wrong pipe cough. But uh, it's going to take a little time for Texas Tech with all their transfers coming in for them to begin to mesh a little bit. But, yeah, that's my hug. Kelvin Sampson, Houston. Hug. I think John Rothstein's little one-liner for him is Kelvin Sampson, the redemption. And it's a good thing that Houston isn't like this blue blood team or a team that my everyone says, okay, they have this five-year window or they have this championship window where they're ranked top five. Otherwise they would be looking back on that Jordan pool, Michigan shot uh, hurting bad because that team was also very good. Rob gray. Uh, they could have gone places there and they, they had Michigan dead to rights, another very good team and Michigan could argue it was a lucky shot, but they probably shouldn't have won that game and who knows where Houston could have gone. So uh, Kelvin Sampson continuing to build that program back up is is a is a wonderful sight to see in the college basketball world. My hug is for Josh Pastner. Georgia Tech is so bad; they are horrendous. I mean, we need them relegated or something because year in year out, I feel like we hear uh, their expectations are growing and growing, especially the past two years, and they just stink. They lost to, I forget who, just some god-awful team uh, a couple days ago. I think they're 0-2. Josh Pastner is the one guy where, I mean, there's guys that have no business being head coaches, yet they still haven't been canned for a while. It might have been a guy like Bill O'Brien, right? You look at a guy like Adam Gase. Their hero is Josh Pastner. Josh Pastner has done nothing but be terrible at Memphis at Georgia tech. He got Memphis in trouble. Like it is beyond me how this guy still has a job in a, in a major market like Atlanta in a major basketball conference, like the ACC for a school that the Georgia tech needs to have a bit more pride here. They're not some schlub school. I mean, they have some players, Kenny Anderson, Stefan Marbury. They've been to a title game. They've been to a final four with Paul Hewitt, Luke Schencher, that's our boy. Jarrett Jack. I mean, you guys have some cachet. Go out, fire Josh Pastner, and get someone better, please. Uh, but I guess my hug is for Josh Pastner somehow avoiding all of these bullets, dodging everything. Uh, like that scene, I think the movie is is Entrapment with Sean Connery and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, where she just dodges all the lasers. That could be incredibly wrong. 
But that's kind of how I picture Josh Pastner and college basketball coaching. Well, I think it's an effective reference right there. I, if I recall, I don't know all the details, but I'm pretty sure Josh Pastner got you know, looped into some type of shakedown situation where someone was trying to accuse him of doing something heinous, uh, someone that he used to work with. And then eventually it worked out for him where he was kind of just truly being screwed by the situation. But someone did try to entrap him, so to speak. Um, Georgia Tech, they were flirting with our Titch Top 50 early on. I mean, they're they're a good program. I actually thought that the team would be better this year. They they Alvarado, uh, that guy was a good ball player. And, you know, their two losses are to Georgia State and to Mercer, not good ones. And then they got Kentucky coming up next. Um, you know, Bassner has been there for a long time at this point, and it hasn't clicked. So, you know, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I'm not sure I would go so, as far as to say that's a great college basketball cr- program because Atlanta is just not a very uh, strong sports town, in my opinion. But, hey. I think I'd rather go to Georgia at this point. Tom Crean, I mean, they, I think they have a tournament berth from a couple of years ago. I, I think I'd rather go to Georgia, which is kind of crazy to say. Uh, but that Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, laser dodging refi that I made, mm-hmm. uh, I think that made nine-year-old Supermanian's knees weaker than Greg Oden. My word. Go check it out if you haven't yet. That's good. Made you croon. <laughs> it did. All right. Uh, we want to thank you again for listening. First week is in the books. We are hitting the road, baby. We are on a roll. Let's keep this momentum going. Uh, and thank you for for letting me and the shark hash things out. That's what we do. This is what co-hosts do. Oh wait, I should have. I didn't have an opportunity to bring this up early in the show, but I thought of it in watching one of my other teams this year, Creighton. Love Creighton, um, but I wanted to run this by you and let you kind of take the reins. And I, I said the word crooning, and it made me think of it. Tennessee whiskey by. Uh, Chris Stapleton, right? But to the tune of Marcus Zagorowski. It's not Your really a smooth. Boom, boom. It's Marcus Zagorowski. Uh, <laughs> right. okay. That's not bad. I mean, obviously, it's not quite whiskey. It's Zagorowski. Um, the, it doesn't work perfectly, but I think we got something there. So can we play can, a top of staple? Oh, you want to cook? All right. What do you got? No, no, no. I was just going to say, see if we can get someone from the current roster or past roster that's uh, noteworthy that rhymes with wine. Because I want to continue that. You're sweet okay. as. Right. So we'll figure that out. Yeah. Well, we, we, can, we can get us out Think with. Tank, I like it. We'll, we'll get us out of here on Stapleton. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.
Yeah. 